The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. You can also find us in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a fit of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, good friend of the program. We talk at length about anything and everything Ole Miss baseball, including draft implications. Should the draft be canceled? Only 10 rounds? There are a lot of things up in the air right now, a lot of unknowns about everything, and I cover them all with Mike Clement as we effectively mourn one more time the loss of Ole Miss baseball. But Mike has got tremendous perspective on all these things, this balancing act right now, not just with college baseball, but with Major League Baseball and high school players coming in to college and all those kind of things. And I'll touch on it with Mike in just a little bit. But first, Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm as good as as we can be in, in this day and time, man. It is I don't know, quarantine's getting 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 the best of me. There's just nothing to do. And I've I've never had this feeling in March. There was always, you know, something to do. And by God, there is nothing now. I fully acknowledge that I'm losing it a little bit. Yeah. I've been in quarantine, self-isolation for two weeks now with my wife and kids, and I've seen them all day, every day for two weeks. 
I love my family, but I'm not used to this. And there are no sports and there's no job to go to. I'm spending all my time at home kind of losing it. I knew I was probably teetering on the edge when I was hitting golf balls in my backyard by myself. (laughs) Were you hitting them good? I hit one pretty good. I was using this big tree as the hole and kind of Mm -hmm. flew it the first time. Second time, got closer. Third time, stuck it pretty good. I'm not a good golfer, but it just shows you I'm doing anything I can to get out of my house because it feels like prison. It feels like the end of the world. This is the darkest timeline. This is it. It's rough. Are you at least getting to go to the grocery store every once in a while? Do you get out at all? How does that work in in, in the great city of New Albany? Do they have, you know, delivery? What are we doing there? Yes, I have gone to the grocery store, but I'm terrified to go. So what I've done is I have just delayed going until right before these grocery stores close. I'm that guy. But it's because I don't want to be around anybody. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to get close to them. So I'm waiting until, and all of these stores are now closing earlier than they usually did. When they're closing at 9, I'm going in at 8.45. Now, I can get my grocery store shopping done in 15 minutes. But the looks that I get when I walk in at 8.45. You you a big list guy? Or do you kind of remember it, you know, off the top of your head? I'm a list guy. I am. And the wife sends it to me. But that's what (laughs) life has been like. And Lane Kiffin, he's had a similar life. He's in Florida on his boat, cruising around, doing nothing. Can't really recruit right now. Can't have spring football practices right now. So like all of us, self-isolation, quarantining. But we talked to him on Tuesday on a conference call to ask him about a bunch of different stuff. You read that, I'm sure. Um, And one thing I thought was interesting is I asked him if Greg Sankey had had any communication with league coaches about potentially giving them additional practices in the summer. And this is what Lane Kiffin had to say. I've not seen anything. I think the commissioner's communication is going to athletic directors more than coaches. Um, but this is an assumption. I, I just assume that no one really knows when this is going to end. So um, I don't think that anyone's going to say something now saying hey, at some point you just need practices or whatever. But um, I would sure think when this comes to an end, whenever it does, you know, that then, you know, they'll definitely look at, you know, the ability, whether that would be getting rid of spring recruiting, you know, and letting us have practice, you know, or whether it's in the summer or whether it's more, I'm just making this up, just things I've thought of, you know, maybe it's more like the NFL model where it's not as much contact, but more like the OTA there. And, you know, my thought on that, if we didn't have it at all, you know, that really, really hurts first year coaching staffs and programs. If you were somewhere like, okay, if I was still at FAU, like it wouldn't be the, that big a deal because, you know, you got some, some returning players, you know, your systems, you know, you play some games together, kind of equal playing field. And then, you know, for new coaches, it wouldn't be equal. So if they were, were to be nothing, that would, that would definitely hurt the first year programs a lot more than the programs with continuity. I like the idea, Colin, of NFL style mini camps, OTAs for college football, if they're able to get something going into the season, preparing for the season. Yeah, you you got to give extra time and, and and to be able to incorporate a lot of things that you were that you didn't get to in the spring. Um, I think that's only fair. Um, and you know, Lane talked about how it you know sets back new programs. You know, like with him and and Leach and Startville. I mean, it's it's a struggle. So they're going to have to give some extra time. I have trouble talking about the future right now, Ben, because we simply don't know. Like, I think there's legitimate concern: is Ole Miss going to go play Baylor in Houston right now? I don't. I just don't know what 
the future is going to look like. But if, you know, everything is on schedule by, you know, the next two months, two and a half months, um, then, yeah, you've got to do something. And I certainly agree that the uh, NFL minicamp kind of structure is probably what's best. It was funny. We're talking all about coronavirus. And Parrish got in a question about the quarterback battle, about how you're going to handle it with no spring football practices, all that. I get it. Lane Kiffin said all competitions are open. They don't have really have depth charts. Who does that best benefit? Uh, I don't know if it benefits anybody, right? <laughs> See, I think don't... it might. I think it might. Lane Kiffin effectively said that going back and watching film does no good. These players, they're in a different system, different coaches, how they respond to that coaching, all of the things that factor in. He doesn't put much stock into it. So the spring was going to be so important for him individually, not only to implement his scheme, but get to know his own players how they're going to be coached, how they like to be coached. But now that opportunity is gone. We all say John Rice Plumley is a shitty passer. Well, Lane Kiffin isn't turning on the tape to look at that, and even if he is, he's dismissing it. So if you're John Rice Plumley, it will allow Kiffin to look at him with clean eyes, and all of the things that we pick him apart for might not be so obvious or serious for Kiffin. Certainly some merit to that for sure. Uh, I don't know who's going to win this quarterback competition, but I do think that's a, that's, that's a good thought process and that, you know, he probably doesn't, you know, he's not going to go look at how he passed against Auburn or against, you know, LSU or whatever last year. So uh, you, you cut this down by two months and does that kind of devy up your thoughts about who you think is going to be your quarterback? Uh, I still kind of just tend to believe that I, I think they're going to have a quarterback battling camp and whoever wins wins. I, I, you know, I, you know, and I'm not saying that I think it's either of those guys. Now I do think it is between those two guys. I think John Rice Plumley or Matt Crow will be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Don't uh, feed that Grant Tisdale stuff. Yeah. I think it'll be between those two guys and you know, whoever wins wins. I don't necessarily think that, you know, Kiffin knows right now. I, you know, I, I think that I don't even, like he said, you know, you watch film, it doesn't tell you a whole lot because you're not going to run the same type of offense that, that Rich Rodriguez ran. So we'll see. I think it's just going to be one of your classic quarterback battles and uh, we'll figure out who's going to start when they roll into roll into Houston, hopefully in September. If Kiffin's idea of an NFL style OTAs for college is implemented in the summer, assuming that they get the summer, what would that look like? I think you've got a lot of walkthrough type stuff, right? I don't know. You probably get two days of practice with, you know, just shoulder or with no shoulder pads and, and no, you know, leg pads or anything, just helmet, shorts, t-shirts. Um, but you get to get out there for, I don't know, two hours every Monday and Wednesday, right? And you get to implement some stuff. Uh, it's not going to replicate, you know, spring practice, but it does give you some, some type of advantage if you're inst- instituting kind of a new offense and new defense. I'm not sure it wouldn't be a little bit more advantageous only because you're getting those individual specialized moments with players that you don't necessarily get in the spring. If you get 15 practices or 15 OTA type uh, walkthroughs in the summer, along with their individual work, there's not this gap from spring to summer. And I know that players go out there and they practice and all this kind of stuff, but effectively every single day players will be in this. They'll be going through it. So on Monday, you might have an official practice. You still got to work out and you still got to do stuff specifically for the strength and conditioning program on Tuesday. But all of that stuff will be fresh from Monday. And there's almost a certainty that players are going to go out there and practice on their own. Absolutely agreed. And, and I'll ask you this. Look, coronavirus aside, if this goes well, I think we kind of both agree that coaches aren't big fans of spring practice. Is this something that maybe 
they start doing regularly if, if coaches tend to like this? See, that's what I've been thinking about. If this plays well, if this does happen, what I think is going to happen is this extends into the summer and this is a moot point because it's not even going to happen. But if it did happen, I think it would go so well and it would play so well as far as how it fits with summer individual workouts and stuff with the strength and conditioning program to where it becomes the new normal. Because spring practices in a vacuum don't make any sense as far as when they are and how they're instituted. Yeah, my only reserve with that is are we really going to cancel all these spring games around the country no but there would be something in the summer wouldn't there because there isn't something after baseball so if this is happening maybe you have an event like the grove bowl or meet the rebels which is in august maybe meet the rebels becomes effectively what the grove bowl is in the spring okay yeah something like that to where you watch them do their walkthrough or whatever um in the morning in the afternoon you go meet them all and get them to sign your posters and stuff yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just do think that you're going to have to replicate some type of Grove Bowl atmosphere. So yeah, that's a good idea. It actually fills a need in college sports when you got that couple of weeks, a month after baseball is over and waiting for, and we turned it into, oh, media days is the unofficial ca- bull. No, no, <laughs> it's not. That thing is awful. Now we media people are being used as pawns just to effectively feed free content to SEC Network. That event sucks. This could be a little bit better. This could actually be the unofficial buildup to the season, the unofficial start of the season, summer OTAs, because that's effectively what it is for the NFL. Good thing with uh, media days is I doubt they happen this year. So let's have that. (sighs) Yeah, they're not going to happen. And right now the NFL draft Still going to be on schedule, even though every single owner voted, not every single owner, but the majority of owners voted to move the draft. And Roger Goodell said, nah, we're going to keep it. April 23rd. Wait, are they still like letting people come and stuff? No, they're shutting it down. It's no longer in Vegas, but the fact that they're not moving it, you can't have those in-person medicals and in-person workouts and pro days and all that stuff for these prospects. So basically... They're going to be flying blind (laughs) trying to draft players on April 23rd when you haven't had a month and a half of draft prep. Wait, so, hey, hold on to here just a second. I don't want to go too far into this. Does that help or hurt Tua Tagovailoa, whatever his name is? Oh, it it helps Tua. It helps Tua. Yeah. Like Joe Burrow going first to the Bengals, that's a no-brainer. But I'm talking about in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds where drafts are made. That's going to be a little bit tougher. Real quick, we can't forget uh, Jordan Tiamu and Demarquise Gates signed with uh, with NFL team gesture. Yes, Jordan Tiamu has signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's never going to play unless Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, but a good spot for him because he's going to compete to be the backup with Chad Henney and someone else whose name escapes me right now. Matt Moore was their backup last year, but I don't know if he's still there. He's not. Chad Henney and somebody else. Jordan Tiamu, yes, he's going to go compete to be the backup to Patrick Mahomes. Good for him. He actually went and spent the entire preseason in August with the Houston Texans. Then he gets cut the very last day of the preseason. He had workouts with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, but neither one of them offered a contract, so he went to the XFL, played well, and now he's back. So the XFL works. DeMarcus Gates, same thing. He's with the Minnesota Vikings. It's doing what the Allegiance of American football did not do, and that's actually churn out players back to the NFL. And it's a cool thing to see a couple of Rebels get spots. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, 
Leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, in a field of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line for a lengthy, in-depth discussion with Ole Miss hitting coach and good friend of the program, Mike Clement. He joins us on the Modern Women phone line, and we go to him now after this brief word from Modern Woodman in BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, good friend of the program, Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. Like all of us, self-isolating, quarantining. How you doing? Uh, like I told you yesterday, uh, I was thrilled to have you call or text and say, Hey, you want to, you want to go on the podcast because my 14 month old son and my wife are tired of talking about hitting. I think. Yeah. It's tough at my house too, but at your house is totally different because you were in it every day. Ole Miss only one loss. The whole season was set up to be pretty special. What's the day-to-day been like now? Has it effectively been everybody go home and you don't talk to them anymore? Like, how do y'all handle that aspect of it? Yeah. Um, all right. So the public service announcement is is what I'm supposed to say first. I'm sure, which is you know obviously um, there are things that are that are that are far greater than the Ole Miss baseball season and all of all of those things. But I'm on here talking about baseball. Um, Honestly, man, it's brutal. It's uh, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest and selfish and everything else about it, uh, it stinks. You know, we uh, if I can, you know, be as honest as I can. Going back through the timeline of it, you know, we are on spring break. We play Louisiana Monroe Tuesday, Wednesday of that week, and my days are a little fuzzy. But win the game on Tuesday, we spend the night. We stay in Monroe. We play the next day at four o'clock, and. Uh, we beat them, and as they, they – this is more information than you need, but we got times. As uh, we're showering, they have a visitor's locker room in the, in their stadium, and so um, you have to kind of wait for the players to get out because the shower's not huge or anything like that. And anyway, um, 
we are sitting on the bench in the dugout, signed a bunch of autographs, a bunch of Ole Miss fans down there, and the coaching staff and, 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 and our ops guys um, say that they got a text late in the game that coach needs to check his phone. Um, you know, this thing is blowing up, whatever. And so probably 15 minutes into our bus ride after we shower, um, coaches on a conference call with the, with the um, Keith Carter, Lynette Johnson, and I'm sure some of the senior staff and basically told, Hey, I'm sure you've heard all this, but um, you know, we're not going to have any fans against LSU on Friday. And then that thing went from that to suspend the season until the 30th to your season is over in a matter of, as you know, you know, 24 to 30 hours. Um, then it was the, it was the toughest team meeting I've ever been a part of. And, you know, obviously I've been a part of a few tough ones um, here and at other places, but at the end of the day, with all of the other ones, as tough as they were, the reason it was over was because you lost. And so you have control over wins and losses. So you feel like you do. And so um, this one, we didn't really have answers for, and it wasn't because we lost. And so you're 16 and one, you're in the top 10 in the country. And let's be honest. And like, if I can peel back all, you know, keeping anything close to the vest, I think the expectations of our team um, before the season started, both on a national and local level, weren't as high as they've been the last couple of years because of what we lost. Um, and so that made what was going on really special, even from a coach's standpoint. And it was really fun. And if I can get even deeper as the hitting coach, losing seven of our nine guys in our lineup, just the not personal pride, but the, the pride I had for the guys that were in our lineup that were doing so well offensively. Um, and I knew we were going to be good on the mound and we were, um, and then you put together a pretty scary lineup, which you and I have talked about, I suppose at length. Um, and it was awesome. It was fun. And it wasn't one of those, Hey, you're an SEC team that didn't, didn't schedule very well. And so you racked up a bunch of wins, um, in the pre-conference season. It was, we played one of the tougher schedules around, you know, we played the number one team in the country to open up with. We went to a tournament with top 25 team, the defending big 10 champions, all the things everybody that's listening knows. Um, but I'm just trying to be as honest as I can. That was a huge blow. And so it was really hard to say goodbye and not have any answers. Um, and I know there's some of the same rhetoric that goes on throughout the country on this deal, but, um, on a personal level, that's, if I can strip down all the feelings, that's what it was. And it, and it still is just an empty kind of a hollow feeling for me, um, in my gut. Um, just knowing what we had, it's tough. There's so many layers to this, but you bring up a really good point. I was in Nashville, one of only two Ole Miss beat writers in Nashville covering the SEC basketball tournament. Ole Miss played in the first round, only one of two games that were played in that tournament. Parrish Alford and I are sitting there waiting for Kermit and them to come up. We were told effectively, hey, they're about to take fans out of the SEC tournament. Also, fans are not going to be available for LSU. And then as we're driving home the next day, me, my wife, and my kids who'd gone with me to Nashville, you get the news that it's all over. You know, we're all just hanging out, talking in the car. And I went, no, 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 bullshit. No way. And sure enough, the season was over. And for coaches, I would assume the hardest part is you got your players and they're looking to you for guidance and solace, whatever. But this is an unknown and it's unprecedented. You've never been a part of it before. So trying to be that for them had to be pretty much impossible. 
you nailed it. That's the hard part from a coaching standpoint. So, um, you know, our job and, and, and somewhat of what we get paid for is to have answers for our players, whether it be something as, 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 uh, as simple as hitting mechanics uh, or um, how we're going to attack another team or, um, you know, one of my parents is sick back home, um, a shoulder to cry on that way. You know, uh, we're supposed to have answers and we're supposed to um, know what's going on. And then this happens. And I mean, we went from um, beating Monroe, whatever it was, 18 to four high five and everything. And like 30 hours later, I'm hugging Anthony Servideo and in my through, through tears in both of our eyes, I'm thinking, no way. Like this, this may be it for me coaching this kid. Um, and he's looking at me with a little bit of desperation, like, you know, tell me, tell me everything's going to be okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell him everything was going to be okay. Um, and, and man, that stinks. It really, really stinks. Has there been any communication? You bring up Servideo because the Keenan Servideo conversation in regards to the draft is fascinating. You're hearing it already how there might not even be a draft. Or if there is a draft, it could get cut down to just 10 rounds. Um, but there could be some relief coming for upperclassmen, probably not the freshmen and sophomores, maybe only the seniors. Again, all of this is unknown, but has there been communication to you guys about the draft, about relief for upperclassmen, any of that stuff? There, There is um... – Communication, no, not necessarily. Um, I think we have talked to enough people that um, we could speculate, maybe educated speculation. Uh, I have a hard time believing, and again, these are my, I don't, this is not inside information. These are my personal feelings. Um, and we, you and I can, I can come back on and we can look back and laugh at how wrong I was or wrong I was or whatever. My, my, my feeling from being around it and talking to whoever I've spoken with is I just have a hard time believing that there will not be a draft. I think there will be a draft. I feel comfortable with that. If I, my best guess, and again, this is a guess and it's my personal opinion is that they'll shorten the draft down a little bit um, to 10 to 15 rounds, 10 to 20 rounds. Um, and that they will have a draft. I think there's too many good players. There's, there's too much at stake and it would really mess up the system um, from an amateur side, from our side, from the pro side, if they didn't do a draft. I think there's information for the organizations um, that they could go out and draft 10 to 20 players, 10 to 20 rounds of players, um, and get, get, get guys into their system. That's number one. Now, the what we're going to get back as far as guys getting a year back and how all that works, man, I have no idea. I will be surprised at nothing um, just because um, the NCAA is making the decision. And um, sometimes uh, when they make decisions, um, they're not what I think they are going to be. I guess I say it that way. And uh, That's the sweetest way I've ever heard anybody put that. <laughs> uh, I, and I just don't know. Um, the hard part is, you know, everyone feels and they should for the seniors but Doug Nikhazy lost a year. No matter if they give him a year back, you know he he's going to sign when he gets drafted, and he's good enough to get drafted. Good Hayden Dunhurst, the same way. Gunnar Hoagland, the same way. So it stinks. You know those guys lost years because they're good enough to sign when they're when they're draft eligible, which for Gunnar and Doug are, is next year. Um, 
But, man, I don't know. And, and our sport is really tough. And, again, we don't have to get all the way into the scholarships and you only get 27 guys on scholarship. You only get 11.7 scholarships. You can only have 35 guys on a roster. All of that gets really, really messy um, with as opposed to a sport um, – that is like football where everyone's on a, on a full scholarship and it's, yeah, here, here's your aid backer. No, they back. It, it's really, really tough um, in our sport to figure out heads and tails when it comes to something like this. And someone far smarter than me is going to have to figure it out. You brought it up. Don't really want to talk about it, but I had that question about the scholarships because you and Carl, y'all are all active recruiting and y'all have to play the math guys coming back guys that are probably going in the draft then you got this incoming crop, and you recruit to a number. And so now, if they give these guys relief, you could be getting guys back that you don't anticipate, and maybe you're expecting that spot to be open. Where do you fit that in? That's the biggest thing for us. And if they got, give guys years back, they have to give uh, – they don't have to. I've got to assume they would give relief as far as, hey, you can have more than 27 guys on scholarships. Hey, we won't count any of the seniors aid towards your 11.7. It has to be something like that. I don't think they can say everybody gets a year back and all of your incoming guys are coming in and you still only get the normal rules. That makes it nearly impossible on us just because of the rules that we're working on. Exactly like you said, in layman's terms, um, when we recruit, we essentially spend Anthony Servidio's money. I know he's got another year of eligibility, but if we don't spend his money and he signs and gets drafted and goes and plays, we are caught with our pants down. Same with Tyler Keenan. Um, and then obviously you can, you know, when a guy like Ryan Olenek comes back to school for his senior, you know, you have to scramble a little bit and put the pieces of the puzzle back together again because you're never going to turn away good players. But as you said – when you go recruit years in advance, you recruit with the knowledge that, hey, Keenan's only going to be here three years. He's too good. He's going to sign. He's going to lose his leverage if he doesn't. And that goes all the way back to you know, all the good players who've played here that have signed. Greg Kessinger, J.B. Woodman, all of those guys that played here for three years and then, and then signed, you have to go recruit with their scholarship money um, because if you don't and they sign, you lose the spot, you lose the money. Um, and there's no good players out there in June if you wait to see who's going to get drafted and who's not. They're, the players just aren't available. Well, another factor in the Draft Balancing Act is a case like Anthony Servideo. Because scouts aren't out there watching games, getting an up-close and personal scout of particular prospects, a guy like Anthony Servideo, if it is a shortened draft, could get shortchanged to where Tyler Keenan has a three-year track record of production. But Anthony yep. was breaking out. So how do you evaluate yep. that? You know, if, if you're a scout, how do you make him a pick in rounds one through, if there's 12, one yep. through 12, when you don't know if he's more what he was as a freshman, which none of us think that, but where's the middle ground between freshman and junior? Okay, so those those two guys are, are great examples that you bring up. And, like, Keenan um, kind of is what he is. He has always hit and always hit good pitching. You know, going back to his freshman year two for two against Casey Mize with a home run, you know, all of those things like his, his, I don't think he gets hurt quite as much as some people because he is what he is. You know, he is, um, his body is what it is. His position is what it is. Um, 
and the guy has raked um, the, his entire career here. So I think um, he's a really, quote, safe pick. I think these guys know what he is, and that's what it is. So video's on the other side of the spectrum. So here's a guy who all of us at Ole Miss, including our fans, know that he's pretty special defender, know that he can really defend. But the thing about it is, because he hasn't played shortstop um, the last two years, because the 60-whatever pick of the draft was playing shortstop when he got here, um, there's some doubt from a professional standpoint. Hey, can he play shortstop? Can he stick at shortstop at the professional level? So that's one of the questions with him. And then the second one being, man, he has hit with some power. And it's really more so that than it is can he hit because he walked a bunch last year. His on-base percentage was good. Um, you know, his barrel skills are pretty good. Uh, but I think now all of a sudden they look up and he has five home runs early in the year through 17 games. And I think, you know, he's kind of the breakout sexy pick um, for a guy that all of a sudden he's a left-handed hitting shortstop who has arm strength that can stick at shortstop. And so he's the guy that – people were continuing to come in and see he's the guy that the area scout was calling his boss, the, the cross checker and saying, Hey, there's a kid at Ole Miss. He's got a shot. So it's a little different scenario with both of those guys. Um, I, I'm thankful that we played the schedule we did because there are a lot of people in here opening weekend um, to watch Louisville and us, but, but to see Detmer's pitch opening night and, and had two knocks off him left on left. So um, he definitely helped himself in that scenario. And fortunately, we played a tough schedule. So I think people saw him enough against good pitching to see him really wear it out, um, that that obviously worked to his advantage. But it could go a lot of di- – I think there's a lot of different opinions right now on, on Anthony just because of the track record like you talked about. We'll get right back to Ole Miss baseball hitting coach Mike Clement on the Modern Women phone line after this brief word on Impact by Ironwood and Sola. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. 
So check them out. The website is solawoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. And make sure during this time of quarantine, self-isolation, social distancing to take advantage of their curbside and delivery service. That's Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. Let's just play out the scenario to where Anthony doesn't get picked where he wants to get picked or high enough, whatever, and he comes back suddenly. If he was coming back as a senior, he has no leverage. They can pick him anywhere. He's not getting paid. But you're now a junior. You can factor in him coming into a system, getting picked in the top three rounds, MLB service time factors to where he's maybe not down as long in the minors if he's good enough, and he comes up quicker. It plays out all over the board, across the board in baseball, and that's one of the most interesting dynamics of it, how you balance that from the major league level to college baseball, even the prep level, recruiting on up, all of those things come into play here. And that's exactly why this decision, uh, the way I understand it is, there's going to be a vote on the 30th, and we'll get some clarification after that on, on how they're going to decide on who gets eligibility back, who gets their year back, who doesn't, um, what we're going to, what rules we're working within from, uh, you know, scholarship standpoint that, that you and I talked about, but that is going to be key for, for exactly the scenario you just spelled out. Servideo doesn't get drafted where he wants to. He wants to come back to school. Um, he still has that leverage you talked about next year because he's a junior. Um, and, in that sense, he's in a pretty good spot. Obviously, he would still be in that spot at the end of this year. And, you know, his disappointment in talking to him, and it's why he loves the kid, is, well, I wanted to be in that spot after we won the national championship this year. Um, and he's 100% convinced that that was going to happen, which just gives everybody a little insight into why our team was good, because that's one of your leaders. And I'm telling you, if you were on this call right now, he would say with a straight face, well, we were going to win the national championship. I've never been a part of a team like this. All the things that you've written, that guys have talked about, um, and all of that, that's the beauty of him. So he wanted to win the national championship this year and then have the leverage and get drafted and go off and have a great professional career. Obviously, it didn't happen that way and um, through nobody's fault. Um, so it just kind of is what it is. It's a terrible situation across the board, but I think most criminal – when you were going to get three full seasons of Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland, and now you get two and a half. No, two and a third. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, I'm the hitting coach, but uh, pitching is what makes the world go around. And, you know, yeah, you start to see the writing on the wall as far as, okay, we're a year ahead of schedule here. We're really, you know, playing well, winning, um, all of those things. And then, uh, you know, you have to look at it somewhat as a coach through the lens of, looking forward from a recruiting standpoint, it's like you have your entire weekend rotation back next year as well. And so um, that's huge. And then you look at it like from a personal standpoint with Tyler Keenan, he's going to break records. I mean, that guy hit 30 home runs in, like you said, two and a quarter years um, as a player here. And, you know, (laughs) that guy just flat out raped and, you know, so, he was going to set some records from an offensive standpoint, um, career type records that, uh, you know, more than likely he's not going to have the opportunity to, to, to break those records now. Obviously there's going to be an emphasis on summer ball, assuming that there is summer ball. Again, we don't know anything for certain, but assuming that there is a summer ball, whatever that is, Doug and Gunner who otherwise wouldn't go are now going to go. And for you guys, how important has that become seeing that production in summer ball and whatever going into the winter season, whenever you get that started? Yeah, really important, really important. Like you said, typically those guys, if they go out, they're 
one of two things. They're going to play for Team USA, which we don't want to take away that opportunity like Dunn did a year ago and like we've had several guys do. Um, we want to provide that opportunity if they get selected for that um, prestigious team. Uh, number two, uh, the only way we would send guys out is on a big-time pitch count, right? And so I don't think we would send either one of those guys out if they weren't on Team USA. Um, but then I'm, we're talking about you know uh, team-wide. Typically, um, a guy like, let's say, Tim Elko, um, we typically wouldn't send him out either. He's a junior. He's going to come back for his senior year, we think. And, um, you know, he's had enough at bats. It's probably fine if he stays here and lifts with Coach Boone and is able to lead a little bit with these incoming guys coming in. That's a typical year. But now, assuming summer ball happens, we want to send them all out because, you know, I don't know how many at bats they got, but not very many, not very many innings pitch. So they need to go out and play. Um, and come back and be re- be ready to roll in the fall. Us, like you said, assuming summer baseball happens like it typically does. You can talk about the signing class the guys have signed. Of those guys, were there any particular guys that y'all had targeted to potentially come in and make an immediate impact? Well, there's several guys that we feel like could m- make an Im- immediate impact for sure. Um, the thing about it is uh, th- that gets interesting as well, depending on who we have come back. Obviously, the left side of the infield is important because potentially that could, and I'm not saying it will necessarily be the case because we don't know what the rules and all of that, that may be our only two losses. You know, We could potentially get everyone else back um, depending on how everything comes down. So obviously the left side is important. Now, I do think um, that some of that could be filled internally, um, but anyway, we have we have a couple, couple kids in our signing class that I really like that could fill the left side of the infield. T.J. McCants is a shortstop um, from Pensacola, Florida, who who has a chance to be really special left-handed hitting shortstop um, that, that can really defend, and we feel like he's really good. Obviously, get a Chatagnier bench that could potentially play that spot as well. And then at third base, um, there's a guy who is actually a shortstop, too. I think he projects a bigger guy. I think he projects a little more um, – as a third baseman moving to the corner is Jacob Gonzalez, a kid from Southern California, a left-handed hitter um, that we feel like could step in and possibly, you know, uh, play on a corner spot. It's a little tough, you know, with position players, you just never know who's ready to play and who's not as far as position players, especially pitchers are kind of pitchers and you kind of have a pretty decent feel if they're legit guys that usually they can step in and do it. But, you know, as we've seen in the last handful of years, um, sometimes there's a learning curve with the with the position players, and sometimes they're Tyler Keenan or Errol Robinson, you know, guys that can step in and, and be guys as freshmen. But we definitely like the class. It's a little bit smaller class, only because even on a normal year we weren't going to lose a ton, um, you know, off off of this current team. And now um, we may lose very few, depending on how the how the rules come down. It's only 17 games, but who surprised you? Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Um, the guys who, who I was probably, it's hard for me to say that Chatagnier surprised me. Um, he is, it, it, he surprised me from what I thought of him one year ago right now, before he stepped foot on campus. We liked him a lot. Um, once he stepped foot on campus, his personality, um, really similar to Plumlee and Ely, like, uh, Hey boys, uh, jump on my back. Let's go. And, and, and obviously Plumlee and Ely didn't have a ton of success yet. Um, 
but you know what I'm talking about with that personality, like just absolutely infectious personality. So once Shatnia got on campus and I got to know him a little better than just the, uh, I felt really, really strong that he was going to be a guy just because he has that personality and confidence about him. Um, I mean, come on, who's doing the in, in between the legs high five with Sir video as a freshman? You know, like he just like he has that kind of charisma to him. Um, he is going to be a pain in the rear end uh, for all the other SEC teams for as long as he's here. He's just going to be that annoying dude who you want to punch, but who you want on your team. Um, and, and that's who he is. Um, I think I expected kind of what Dunhurst was. I don't, I don't think I would call him a surprise. The guy that was super important, and you and I have talked about it for probably the better part of the last eight months, is Tim Elko. You know, he's the guy who was starting to become what we needed him to be. Um, so it's the longest home run I've ever seen at Swayze. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Like, off the bat, like, yeah. it, it didn't even get past me at third base, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then and then was, you know, kind of gave the double whoa once it bounced off the top of the batter's eye and, and over. Uh, yeah, that was incredible. So, but but him was, 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 was a pleasant surprise, although – I think everyone kind of thought, Hey, this is his time. Um, it's his time to be, be a guy. And then the other guy that honestly, um, surprised me on some level is Sir video. Um, I knew he was good. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be an issue for him playing shortstop. Um, if I have to be completely honest, I thought he'd lead off for us. I thought he'd be a high on base percentage guy. Um, did I think for a second, and again, like you said, 17 games, but a really good schedule and some really tough arms. Did I think he was going to be a guy that was going to hit five home runs for the entire year? Uh, I would have said that was the high water mark, and he had five home runs through 17 games. So um, he's a guy that uh, surprised me in some of the things he did. I'm not surprised he was good. I'm just surprised at what he was good at in addition to the things we all knew. One of the best home run hitting teams in the country. I was going to ask you about this later on in the season, but there's no damn season. So I'll ask you now, did you change your approach at all? A little bit. Um, I'd be lying if I said we put a heavy emphasis on it. You know, obviously, I think really, honestly, the thing that helps a ton is that we've done it the last two years and hit a lot of home runs. And it's crazy when you're working with 18 to 22 year olds, they see that. Um, and kind of the fun of being a hitting coach after Dillard and Zabowski and Kessinger and Coop even, um, and those guys, is guys come into our program and just think, well, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, and so some of that confidence goes a long way. Now, from a teaching aspect of it, um, once I kind of gathered what we had, um, and you start to look at some of the guys, uh, yeah, we probably uh, preached getting the ball in the air. Uh, we probably preached uh, just because I knew, man, Shat, like a guy like Shatnia, who you don't think is probably a home run guy, he starts running balls out of the yard and BP on his own early in the fall. And so then you start to think, okay, once we piece this thing together here, we could really hit the ball out of the yard. Um, then I think you kind of take it and run with it from a coaching aspect of this is what we're going to do. The hard part for me is I knew we would walk just because that's what our approach is. We talk a ton about on-base percentage. 
GPS, those kinds of things. The hard thing for me is, and I'm not, hey, we should never strike out, but I think there is a place in college baseball um, to putting the ball in play. And because my thing is, hey, we're playing at the highest level of amateur baseball in the world, but there's a shortstop that we're playing, even in our league, that's going to be in the count in three months. So it makes it really hard for him to go to his backhand, field the ball, set up on his right foot, and throw it across the infield and try to throw Anthony Servideo out. It's really hard to do. So um, the only thing that I think we were getting better at but we needed to continue to work on is putting the ball in play. Now, obviously, if you hit the ball out of the yard and you walk, that's not as big a deal. Um, but I think we had the personnel, and I think we would have, uh, I think we had the personnel to cut down on a little bit of that. And the thing is, you know, you hear people say, and I don't know if they really do, but you think, well, once SEC play started, those home runs are going to go down. They may have gone down a little bit, but we were still going to hit a lot of home runs. There is no question about it. Uh, you know, you watch the Louisville series where I think we hit four or five home runs in that series um, against guys throwing in the mid-90s and at some on some level, on some of them, upper 90s. And so – it wasn't going to be an issue of velocity. We recruited and coached guys to really hit velocity. And that's the beauty of playing in the SEC. There's not a ton of guys who are just going to flip breaking balls in there. Everybody's pretty proud of their fastball and they're going to throw a lot of them. And so um, we were going to turn balls around. We were going to hit the ball out of the yard. We're going to be able to change the score with one swing, all of those things. So uh, long answer to your question. I think we could, co- I coached it probably a little bit differently. Um, from that from that aspect but not a ton i think because these guys have been committed to us for a while they kind of watch us play and the last two years we've you know whatever hit 150 home runs combined and so i think they kind of think well that's that's who i'm supposed to be that's who i am and that's pretty cool well last thing the what if game is going to be played forever with this team but there's got to be some way to honor them and what they accomplished it was only 17 games but what they did in those 17 games was historic. And I've said just hang a national championship better. Screw it. UCF did it in football, and yeah, everybody made fun of them for like a year, but that thing's still hanging. Why not? You know, the best thing, that I, the coolest thing that I've seen that has honored this team um, has been what social media has done, what you guys have done. And obviously, you know, you're supposed to be unbiased, I think. Um, and you do this right in facts. And I feel like you do that. Uh, when, when we do something wrong, you talk about it. And when we do something right, you talk about it. But my point larger than that is this. Our fans have done an unbelievable job of, at least for me as a coach, um, being able to see how proud um, of our team they are and were um, to see, you know, the last couple of weeks to see the tweets and the social media and the articles and all of these things of um, how good this team is and was uh, is gratifying for me. And the funny part as a coach, and I think as our players, we all knew that um, we all knew that we were really good. I told you what sort video said, but you never really know what the perception is until you step back. And so we've been forced to step back. Um, we've been forced to see what the perception is because that's all that's left. And so our fans 
in my time here, maybe with the exception of parts of 2018, um, in my time here, it's as excited as our fan base has ever been about Ole Miss baseball. And that's saying something because they're always excited about it. Um, and that's really satisfying on that level. It makes it gut-wrenching also, um, just because I think our fans knew what was going on. I think they had a sense of this team was a little bit different. And it's hard to quantify the it factor, um, but I think our fans knew. And that's what makes it really, really hard to have um, Sir Video in Jupiter, Florida, and Derek Diamond in Ramona, California, <laughs> and the rest of the 33 guys somewhere in between. That's what makes that really, really difficult. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Stay safe, stay quarantined, and get some batting practice out in your backyard or something. I've been hitting golf balls in my yard. That's what I've been doing. I've thrown a lot of wiffle balls at my 14-month-old <laughs> son, and uh, it's not just getting down. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. You got it, man. That was Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Colin Brister coming back in just a second. Talk of Champions is powered in part by Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car? truck. How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Kermit Davis said something interesting on the Rebel Yo Hotline on Monday. Or he didn't, didn't say, say something. Didn't <laughs> say something. And it was interesting. On the Rebel Yo Hotline on Monday. Spoiler alert. I gave Chuck some questions to ask Kermit. He's had Kermit on so many times. I haven't even been able to get Kermit back on this podcast because of it. Not that Kermit wouldn't come on. I just don't want to inundate y'all with Kermit, 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 Kermit. But anyway, I gave Chuck some questions. He asked these questions, and they were interesting, about basketball recruiting, what's going on right now. And effectively, they're treating it like a dead period. But he was asked about what are you looking for on the recruiting trail. And this is what Kermit said. We need another explosive guard. And we, we need a tough physical big, Chuck. And, you know, what's, what's kind of interesting is that, uh, you know, our team was really good at times and really bad at times. And I just, we've never been a part of a team that's kind of been that, had that kind of highs and lows. And then I look at our team and, 
about five or six possessions away from being pretty close to exactly where we were last year, you know, right there. And uh, but you know where we struggled, Chuck, is we were a better defensive team on the road than we were at home. Where we really, really struggled is offensive percentages for all of our guys dropped so dramatically on the road. And I've never had that big a discrepancy, you know, and it was just uh, – so we, we need explosive guard that can go – Score. I mean, Jarkel and Matthew Morrell and those guys coming back are sure going to help us. Austin, Blake, KJ, and those guys. But we, you know, we, we need a physical big, box shots, just tough, and uh, can score around the goal. And so those are the two things. And there's there's a lot of guys out there. What was missing there? Devonte Schuler. Will he be back? If you listen to Kermit right there, sounds like no. If you look at all the offers that they've uh, sent out there. A lot of guards. It makes sense because if you're going to not have Devontae Shuler, you need another lead guard. Yes, you have Jarkel Joyner, and yes, you have Matthew Morrell. But without Devontae, the two guys that were most important going into the last season, your two lead guards, who you expected to be all-league caliber players, Brian Tyree, Devontae Shuler, both gone. They've got a commitment from three-star point guard Marcus Snyblack. I doubt that he ends up at Ole Miss. But other targets include Tyron Lawrence, Jamari Harvey, Donovan Williams, Roger McFarlane, Juco player Malik Zachary, graduate transfers, Darius Perry, Louisville, Jamarius Burton, Wichita State, Trey McGowans, Pittsburgh, Carlick Jones from Radford, Kyle Sturdivant from USC, Tobias Howard from Townsend, Ian DeBose from Houston Baptist, and Alex O'Connell from Duke. That's a lot of guards. And it only Ooh. makes sense... If you need an instant impact, and why would you need an instant impact? You have Jarkel. Oh, you have two starting spots open. Ben, a name you just said there was very close to going to Ole Miss out of high school. The uh, O'Connell kid from Dukes. Actually, I two how, of them, Kyle Sturdivant and Alex O'Connell. wonder if that could get real because uh, they wanted O'Connell bad, and they thought they had him there for a little bit. That could get serious, but it's interesting what this team would look like without Devontae Shuler. They don't have any open spots. So yeah. if you're going to open yeah. some spots, you know Carlos Curry's going to be one. And he was asked about that, and he said, we may have another guy in the transfer portal. I don't know. That means he knows. If you made me guess, it's Carlos Curry. We shouldn't guess, but he's obvious. Franco was uh-huh. obvious. But after Carlos and Franco, and Carlos would just open up one spot, they'd have one open scholarship, no one else is obvious. So if Carlos is gone and Devontae is gone, that opens up two spots. And I guess, like you said, we're just not going to count Marcus Nyblack. Um right now past that Ben I don't see anybody else leaving so it feels like they've only got two spots right yeah the only other two people that might be candidates are dude column and Bryce Williams you don't just forget your starting point guard Ben yeah (laughs) I mean man you look the world's crazy right now maybe I'm wrong but I don't I just don't think you forget your starting point guard I mean look that wasn't an accident it can't be no what percentage would you put that Devontae Shuler's back next year? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, if I even venture to guess, it'd be irresponsible because I have no clue. It surprised me when I heard it, when he didn't okay. say Devontae. I'd heard rumblings about this. I said this going into last year. I don't know if you were the regular co-host at the time, but I've said it countless times that Devontae wants to go, that entering the year, it was expected that this was going to be his last year. I said that over and over and over. But then as the year carried on, started to hear a little bit of wavering in that respect about how he wanted to play with Jarkel and he wanted to play another year with Hadeem, who he played with um, at Oak Hill. So a lot of connections for Devontae to stay, and yet the season is over. 
not being talked about. That just, it can't be by accident. But we do know this. Kermit Davis is going to add two players, two of them. And if you're <laughs> curious about the forward, a couple of candidates I've got, um, Tyrone McMillan, DeAndre Pinckney, and Gwinnipiax, Kevin Marfo. So there you go. Where is Pinckney from? Broward College. Tell me where that is. Florida? Yeah. Good for yeah, you. Yeah. Broward County. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Some football, some baseball, some basketball. A well-rounded talk of champions. We did Trifecta. it. We pulled a show out of our rear ends. There you go. We did it. Sort of like our college assignments. Yeah, kind of. Sure. Colin's got an idea for our next rewatch. 2014 Super Regional. I don't know if we'd want to. I was going to ask you uh, kind of off there, but I didn't know if we want to do the whole Super Regional or just game three and uh, see if Cliff Godwin could uh, be our guest for that. Well, if you just do game three, you're going to do some build up with the other two games and right. how it came down to this. Yeah, because I, I would be interested to know how they felt after losing game one. So probably you know. not good, Colin. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. No, uh, yeah, your ace going out there and getting shelled by ULL that night. Probably not the best feeling in the world. I think I everybody kind of thought, OK, it's over. It's Ole Miss Ole Missing again. I love yeah. that this is the second one you want to do. It's so on brand for you. Well, I mean, our next one is, is 2013 uh, Florida, and our guests for that would be, what, AK and Marshall? So I kind of feel like they're a little busy right now. Marshall would be good. He'd come back on. Yeah. Good friend of the program. Yeah. AK, good friend of the program. Maybe we'll get AK back on to do that game and talk about UAB. We need to get AK on for sure. We need ideas. We need ideas. <laughs> Maybe we could get Keith Carter on to talk about 1998 Valpo. I have so many questions for Keith Carter right now. Number one of them. So Mike Bianco's contract. <laughs> Please, when you get him on, just, hey, Keith, all right, Mike's contract. Yeah. Like, Keith, know thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome to Talk of Champions. So about Mike Bianco's contract. <laughs> yeah. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Back next week. Don't know what we'll talk about, but yeah, see you then, Colin. Absolutely. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.